Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They can travel anywhere in time and space. Off we go into time and space. So all of time and all of space is sitting out there. Welcome to Time and Space, one married couple's adventure through the Doctor Who universe. I'm Jessica Nunn. And I'm her constant companion, Philip Gilfus. How's your week going, Philip? Um, I'm with you so very well. Oh. Would you like to tell our listeners about the wonderful gift I bought you? Yes, I am very excited. My husband got me the first in the series of Roger Hargreaves, Mr. Men, Doctor Who books. So we have Doctor First in our house, and it's absolutely delightful. I am looking forward to the entire series. Yes. I I enjoy the Cybermen's appearance and the fact that they are not on holiday in London. They are not on holiday. They are not at all interested in the changing of the guard Mm -hmm. or in having tea mugs with the Britain flag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's so much fun. I just love it. And we want to wish a happy belated birthday to Tom Baker, the fourth doctor, of course. He turned 84 this past January 20th, and he's still out there kicking. He is still out there kicking, given his opinion on uh, female doctors and the like. Yeah, and he is still doing big Finnish adventures and still out there doctoring. Yeah, well, he just made a movie that we talked about last week, yeah. so there's that as well. He can still wear the scarf. <laughs> Although you can't necessarily see that in the radio productions. Or, but it's fine. It's fine. I'm sure he's wearing it, as are we. That's right. So, there you go. So, this week, we're looking at the Tenth Doctor's many companions. David Tennant was joined by many friends, assistants, and ten dogs during his travels in the TARDIS from 2005 to 2010. We'll be looking at his main companions, sharing our favorite moments, and we hope you'll join in the discussion too. So you can let us know your thoughts on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash thenerdparty or tweet us at joinnerdparty. So earlier I tweeted the fact that we would be doing this topic and asked listeners on Twitter who their favorite Tenth Doctor companion was, and I gave uh, four choices. It could either be Rose, Martha, Donna, or Other, because there have been sort of uh, some other companions throughout his run. And these are the results, and I'll see if you find these surprising or not. So in first place is Rose. By a considerable margin, Yes, I would say. With 42% of uh, the vote, we got about 36 votes. I suspect she'd win the Electoral College vote with that percentage. In second place was Donna with 33%. Okay. And then Martha, sadly, in in my opinion, got last or or at least third with 22% of the vote. And then we had 3% other votes. So there you go. 
several people voted me the favorite Tenth Doctor companion. I, I I can see it. Yeah, I can yeah. see it. I I thought I made a great companion. So let's talk about the winner, Rose Tyler. Yeah, um, she is my favorite as well. Played by Billy Piper, of course. Yes, absolutely. And of course, this was. Uh, and I think we've talked about it a little bit before. This was Billy Piper's big screen debut. I don't necessarily want to call it a comeback because, of course, it's her first big screen thing. But she was a sort of one-hit wonder in her teen years uh, with a pop bubblegum song. And that was what she was famous for. That and marrying Chris Evans, who was about 13 or 14 years older than she was and a, much more of a big name. Those were the two things that she was famous for. So this was her reemergence into British celebrity, I suppose. I imagine the fanboys or possibly fan men at the time like Billy Piper is going to be the Doctor Who companion. I suspect that was a general feeling mm-hmm. of a really Billy Piper. <laughs> but of course, you're insane and decided to do a rewatch of all of the Tenth Doctor this weekend in preparation for the show. I did. So you got a full taste of Rose's time with the Tenth Doctor. So, what what's your assessment of of Miss Miss Tyler? I love her. I just, I, I think she's great. I think looking at her reign compared to Catherine Tate's reign, because they play sort of similar characters in terms of common. There's the episode where Rose is taken over by Cassandra. And she refers to herself as chavtastic, and it's very sarcastic. So this chav type of character, both Rose and Donna play, but there's something about Rose that is just so delightful in a way that I didn't find Donna to be. like Donna, but it's a little bit more overwhelming with Donna. Well, Rose, and of course she's sort of, comes from the ninth doctor and so mm-hmm. she sort of was one of our few companions who has to play with the transition to a new doctor and what that means and, and will she accept him and all that wonderful stuff but she is sort of playing a younger character yes so not yeah. teenage but i you know oh, well I, she's 19 they they call it at wow. 19 yeah in fact i was like really is she that young and so i googled it and billy piper wasn't much older than that she Mm. was in her early 20s sort of mid 20s when she did it makes it a little odd then with the romantic relationship with the 900 year old time lord well very vampire to be fair any anybody any human the any sort of romantic relationship with a 900 year old you know it becomes a little bit twilightish or something i don't know all right well i I hate to not pass the bechdel test here um but let's just talk about the romance element Mm. because that was sort of the uh rose uh i don't know her and nine had a little things sparks going on i don't think i mean there was the kiss at the end, but that was sort of a playful, by the writers, I mean, sort of like, oh, they kiss, see, are you happy now? But it was just him trying to get the TARDIS energy from her. You know, that was the sort of, you yes. know, a, yeah. a tease, if you will. But then, and then I thought with the Tenth Doctor, it was sort of a, I don't know, they maintained the chemistry, which is weird because it's a different actor, but I think they maintained the, sort of the same chemistry, even though 
it wasn't necessarily direct, but of course, near the end of her, because she sort of comes back a little bit, but just in her initial run, sort of definitely leads towards the romance. With the I love you at the end. And of course, Ricky slash Mickey's feelings of it's, you know, it's we can't be together because of whatever you have with the doctor. And again, it's it's never overt in any way. But interestingly enough, it's very similar with Martha. You know, in, in Martha's first episode, the doctor kisses her. Mm-hmm. And it's to pass along DNA yeah. properties. But you still... And, and she has that going through this sort of... I think I fancy him. I think it might be a thing, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. And but I like the complete unrequitedness of it. You know, there can be a little bit of a hint at it. And David Tennant, I mean, who wouldn't <laughs> at the end of the day? Um, but it's never requited with any of his people. And I felt the same way, going completely off topic, about Matt Smith's 11th Doctor and Clara. Mm -hmm. And I think it's one of the reasons I struggled with Clara and the 12th Doctor, because they just didn't have the chemistry. And it didn't have to be romantic chemistry. I just didn't feel like they had the chemistry. Right. Well, how'd you, were you, I mean, even though you know the story, were you in favor of the 10th Doctor and Rose romance no, mm. not in terms of of making it a thing. Mm. No, I liked the 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 chemistry. I liked the occasional tension of it, but no, I don't want them to get together. That that's not what the doctor does. That would ruin it, I think, for me. Because I think that's I'm not going to say a criticism, but I think that's a different that. Sort of in the classic Who era, the Doctor is, I don't know, asexual, for lack of a better word. I, he, I, there, you, lightning strikes every now and then with sort of a romantic subplot. I can remember one with the first Doctor, um, him sort of meeting... Uh, oh, that oh, grosses oh. me <laughs> More or less, there's very few romantic subplots mm. with the Doctor in, in the classic era, whereas, you know, the, the new Who is sort of a little more... Yeah, but I don't even think it's a subplot. I think it's an, an almost throw away I don't know like again you know you've got Mickey's sort of breaking up with Rose saying no we're not going to be a thing because it's always you and the doctor she'd really broken up with him long ago uh, yeah but, <laughs> but even when he says it that doesn't feel like a you're with the doctor kind of thing it it feels like an you're off having these adventures with this guy. It never felt like a, while there was a romantic slant to it, it never felt like a romance mm-hmm. to me anyway. And then how do you feel Rose as a companion? Because, you know, we sort of have the stereotype, which again, I, I will always argue that it's, it's not a valid stereotype about who the companion is. But you know the the Perry stereotype of the woman mm. in distress screaming, "Please help, help!" You know, yeah. and getting and caught and tripping her, you know, twisting her ankle. I'm sure on something running in the woods. But anyway, well. but how does Rose? You know, again, you know, sort of this is the reboot of Doctor Who. We have a chance mm. to be. I'm not to say we have to be progressive, but there's a chance to be there. But how do you think Rose? You know, does she grow in her time in the TARDIS, or how does she, how is she as a companion? Yeah, and I think the fact that she's a crossover 
means that in some ways she's in some ways she's more knowledgeable than the doctor who is just regenerating through Mm -hmm. and of course she has just come out of she's the one who defeated the daleks right and so she's she's not in any way shape or form a damsel in distress and it's really interesting because again i was looking at uh, in particular well all three of the main tenth doctor companions who rescue as much as they are rescued sometimes they and the doctor are in it together and sometimes it's the doctor who needs rescuing and sometimes it's the girl who needs rescuing in a way and again it hearkened on to the 12th doctor and clara when it felt like the 12th doctor was more doddering and she was the one doing the majority of the rescuing and I didn't enjoy that. I always picture Rose as sort of the fun adventurer. Because, you know, there's sort of the, them, you know, her and the Doctor. Of course, when I say Doctor, I mean Ten. But her and the Doctor sort of just, you know, smiling at each other and pressing a button on the TARDIS and be like, ah, whatever happens, you know, open up the doors. What do we got? Yeah. It's crazy time. Yeah. I think the word plucky, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure that's particularly a nice feminist word <laughs> to use, but it's the one I think of. And I also love, and of course this is really just the second season of The New Who, so at it with, in her time with the Tenth Doctor, they have a lot of callbacks, which I really, really like. You know, you see the face of Bo again, you, she's taken over by Cassandra, you see Sarah Jane, which we're who, who we're going to come to later, and K nine, and it feels homey. You know, it's like they're the writers are trying to reassure their new viewers that this is going to be okay, and you still know the characters and things like that. So there weren't many Rose Tenth Doctor episodes that I didn't in the rewatch go, oh, I love this one. You know, mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of really good episodes. And I think in ways that people find David Tennant to be the beloved doctor of mm-hmm. New Who, you know, that, that you know, I, I don't know if you, if we did the poll of, you know, who's your favorite New Who mm-hmm. doctor, maybe David Tennant would be in the first Maybe place. we should do. Right. Yeah. But uh, I don't you know, but regardless, but it, I say that in as much as, as much as David Tennant is beloved, I think maybe Rose is always thought of as the companion for mm-hmm. him. Yeah. And in as much as how much they bring her back, because, you know, R- Billy Piper left, of course, to do her own thing, as, as everyone is wont to do in Doctor Who franchise. But she kept coming back, and in, in a good way. She came back sort of with uh, Donna's storyline. You, you know, sort of this always, you know, you, Rose is back, and she keeps missing the Doctor, and she's looking for the Doctor, and that was sort of a plot there during Donna's sort of final episodes, and then when actually Donna meets Rose. And then even in the 50th anniversary, Billy Piper returns. Yeah. I guess technically as Rose, but not really. But anyway, but anyway, she comes back again, and so I think that she's sort of that constant presence throughout the 10th Doctor story. Yes, and in that way, again, it's not, it's never requited romance. But there is always this undertone. She does get her own doctor. Yeah. And like later on, we see Martha comes back mm-hmm. several times. You know, we see Martha reappearing as this uh, unit person and as this warrior and all of these strong, great ways. 
But Martha seems to have moved on in a way that Rose didn't necessarily. And then one final thing about Rose before formally moving on to Martha is that what did you think about the episode school reading? I'm sure we could do a whole episode just on that episode. But anyway, but Rose is sort of, I don't know what the word is. As only women can, uh, you know, sort of careful com- there, big man. But I, what's the word? Competing or je- like her? As, yeah. she, as she pictures Sarah Jane, that this—I mean—to say old girlfriend, new girlfriend—I think is reductive. But it's yeah, sort of it a bit of like. Is. But I think I think it's more about Rose seeing her own mortality as a companion. I don't think it's about, oh, you loved her and now you love me. It's that she left. It's that, and and Sarah Jane has that problem too. She's like, you disappeared and I never saw you again and I was waiting for you. Mm. Um, And in Sarah Jane, Rose sees her potential future of he's going to leave because that's what he does. And understanding it, but at the same time not wanting to recognize how it's going to change her world. I think sometimes that is a weakness, and maybe it's not a weakness, maybe it's just a complication, but a lot of the companions see themselves as, oh, I'm the only one the doctor's ever trusted. I'm special. And it's like, mm, there's been a couple people before you. And yeah. so I think it's, it was seeing Rose deal like, you're not the only one. There's Sarah Jane. And, you know, that means there's others. And I think... I don't know if it's Rose. I, I feel like there's there's been companions in the past when they find out all these other companions like with her. There were other, yeah, yeah. You're 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 just you're in a long line, but oh, yeah. yeah. And and later, you know, again when he moves to Martha and Donna, and actually Donna first in the Christmas episode with both of them, they're very aware of Rose's presence in the background. Right, well, let's start talking about Martha, played of course by Freema argument um and i she's my favorite i have to say martha is my favorite um for multiple reasons i think one she gets a lot of great episodes i think her season is i would say i i'd argue the best 10th doctor series that's just my opinion yeah i'm not sure i'm prepared to go quite that far but but at the same time love the shakespeare episode so much so much so much I mean, yeah, of course we get, I mean, Gridlock's great. Well, I'm not going to go through all of them, but Gridlock, the Daleks episode, the family blood. I mean, great. John Smith and Martha has to be the anchor. Mm. And then you have the memorable Saxon master storyline with Utopia, Sound of the Drums. You get Blink. Martha is in Blink, even though uh. her and the doctor are only in that a little bit. But still, she's in that yeah. one. And, and I just think it's very memorable, her time in the TARDIS. And she's incredibly strong as a character. I mean, well, she's hardcore. I think she's stronger than Rose. Right, and I think that you sort of see the contrast, or at least they're trying to see, you know, Rose comes from, what part of London would you say? South South London. London. And so you, then you have the more posh, I mean, she's a doctor. Well, she's a medical student, I guess. Yeah. She becomes a doctor later, but medical student, you know, Martha, and we see her family, as we see Rose's family. Yeah. You know, but a little bit more posher, um, and, and so... I, I, yeah, a little bit i mean i wouldn't say much posher i mean you do have the whole storyline of you know her dad's got this younger girlfriend that her mother doesn't want to be in the room with and uh refers to her as orange i think at some point (laughs) from the over tanning and you know it's it's not you know upper middle class by any stretch of the imagination i think if there's a socioeconomic level 
it's a maybe a little bit higher, but not a lot higher. Right. She doesn't eat as many chips, I think, as Rose does. Also. Possibly not, which I judge her for, I'll be honest. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just enjoy Martha. Now, of course, you know, we go from having this, at least near the end, you know, this romance with Rose and, oh, she disappeared and, oh, no, they really love And then, as you said, with Martha, I do love the buildup in that first episode. This doesn't mean a thing. I got it. Kiss. Boom, she's smitten from now on. And yes. and I know some people might find that annoying about her character, and I can get it if you don't like that. But I think it, it is sort of an interesting character that she, she's sort of crushing on the Doctor throughout her her whole uh, time in the TARDIS, um, or at least for for that for that series. But I think in many ways, you know, she doesn't do anything crazy about it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, she might crush on him throughout the entirety of the series, but it doesn't affect. Any, you know, that's a completely sidelined thing. It pops up every now and then, but it doesn't affect the. Cho- it doesn't seem to affect anyway the choices she makes and things like that. You know, she still flirts with Shakespeare, who then goes on to flirt with the Doctor, which I just loved when Shakespeare was like, "Yep, all three of us, let's go." Um, <laughs> the Doctor's like, "There are several academics who just punch the air." Yes, <laughs> yes. Uh, the guy in 42, she has a moment with, and so it doesn't change who she is. And I think one of her most telling times is sort of serving as the anchor. Because, again, most of these New Who companions are always, you know, the Doctor, we believe in the Doctor. And, and that's that's good. I mean, that's what you need in a companion. Because if they're like, oh, this guy, I mean, that's going to be, they're not going to be very, you know, ingratiating to the audience. But I think when you look at... The master uh, storyline with with Saxon, where where it's basically the, apoc- the apocalyptic, you know, Earth, and she's having to just travel around kung fu style, you know, telling people to believe in the Doctor and, and sharing the stories of the Doctor and spreading his story, just so they'll it'll have that belief with the the way that episode sort of ends there with the belief in the Doctor. But I mean that she sort of has to do that hard work. Yes, and so it, I think it is definitely like when she said about her her strength. Even though, again, coming from this little hole, I have a crush, but she knows how to how to you know internalize and get things done. Yeah, yeah, in a way that I don't know that Rose could have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. She might have come close, but Martha's just got such grit. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm not sure that's a good feminist word, but yeah, I think with her future storyline, you know, as you said, we see her become a doctor, and then she's joins Unit. We even see her come to Torchwood for a few storylines. Actually, it was sort of a return to Torchwood. That's right. I think is is what you mean to say. <laughs> well, that was her cousin or something. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and and I just learned today, and and I maybe this makes me stupid. You know, we we had the during the the end of time when we sort of revisit all the companions, and we find that Martha has married um, Mickey, and I'm like, really that. That doesn't make sense. And then I just looked up today. <laughs> They're married in real life, and now I feel like an idiot. So, Love doesn't make sense, darling. Yeah. If anybody's marriage should reflect that. <laughs> so, let's move on to Donna Doctor okay. Noble. Yeah. Played memorably, of course, by Ms. Catherine, Catherine Tate. Tate. Yeah. Now, you you, uh, you didn't say it was a step down, but you, you thought it was definitely interesting that Catherine Tate join Dr. Who. Yes, out of the three companions, she was by far the most well-known. You know, Billy Piper had had her one hit, 
years ago and had married somebody famous and then divorced him. So she'd been in the tabloids and stuff. But Catherine Tate had a very successful comedy variety show doing her own thing. And everybody knew who she was. And then all of a sudden she was a doctor companion. So by far the most well-known out of it. It's a little bit like the announcement that Bradley Walsh is going to be the 13th or a companion to the 13th doctor everybody goes what that person really (laughs) well you know when you look at donna's first appearance in the runaway bride the christmas special i believe yes yeah um you could see that as a one-off you know it's Catherine tate oh they brought her in that's awesome yes absolutely disappears of course um or you know and Sort of says no, I guess. One of the few people to, to say no, right, to the doctor. Well, at the end, she she doesn't join him. Oh, yes. Yeah, she wants to go off and make her own life. And have, having just lost her fiancé and realized it's all a sham and things like that. So, yeah, she does turn him down. Right. And, but then, of course, she comes back um, very memorably um, with partners in crime. I think one of the funniest, of course, it's Catherine Tate, but one of the funniest scenes where they're sort of, mouthing through each other through the door and the villains are all like what are y'all doing yeah and Catherine tate and david tennant together the joy is so apparent Mm -hmm. they just seem to be having the best time donna is my least favorite out of the three of them for a lot of reasons but it is still clear that they're having a great time and I can appreciate that. And I thought, you know, going from Rose, you know, slight romance to Martha crushing and like Donna, they're like, they make it clear at the beginning, not interested. Nothing's going on. Nope. Not, not, not for that alien boy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think she says at one point, doesn't she, that she prefers humans. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think some of my, I've been trying to figure out, because I like Catherine Tate, and I like Donna, and I was trying to figure out what is it that makes me not like her as much as the others, and I think it might be PTSD. She did a huge skit on her show where she played a secondary school student who sat in a badly put-together school uniform and looked at her teacher and all the time said, Am I bothered? And it became so viral that all of my secondary students would then come into class and say, Am I bothered? And what I really wanted to do was punch him in the throat. <laughs> but you're not allowed to do that with 12-year-olds. And so I think seeing Catherine Tate bring some of that back to me every time. Well, I think Donna is interesting because she's such a tough character. You know, she's someone who can take care of herself. and uh, But, I mean, she does have this duality. You know, she plays it very tough because she's also, like Rose, you know, I don't know, blue collar or what, what the right yes, word would be. Yeah. But, but, you know, but she's very, not tomboy, but I don't know what the right word is. But she's just she's very. She's older. A, yeah. Tough she, broad. I yeah. Don't yeah. Uh, don't, don't ever say that again. <laughs> but, but anyway, yeah. but, but, but of course she also has this sort of tender side that she's also insecure. You know, I'm just a temp from Chiswick. Um, and. And I think. She doesn't value herself really, that it's all a front. Yes. And I think that they did her a disservice when they let her go. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole making her completely forget sort of undermined the character and didn't give her the growth 
perhaps that she deserved. As you say, she spends so much time undermining herself. Thanks to her mom. Thanks to her mom, and thank, I mean, thanks to loads of things. Um, you know, even from the very first Runaway Bride episode, we see, you know, she's telling the story of, oh, he pursued me and he begged me to marry him straight away. And, and we see in flashbacks that it was her doing that. And she doesn't, she doesn't change from that, really, through her episodes to the point that, you know, the only way to to finish her time with the doctor is to erase her memory and I, yeah and I, th- I mean i think that is the sad like you because i think she does grow a lot because i think all companions are supposed to sort of be the human for the doctor the human side you know because they're all humans of course well but and i it's think donna, donna who that. says in the christmas episode you know, she says, I think you need somebody with you to stop you sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, from, and I think that's a perfect encapsulation of the need for humanity to say, no, no, stop, stop completely destroying, you know. Because I think one of her prime moments is, ironically enough, with an episode starring a very memorable Peter Capaldi, and that is The Fires of Pompeii. You know that you know if Which you, is a lovely you have to save someone, save someone, please. And you know because the doctor's like, you know, I can't, I can't. And and she basically pleads that you have the power, save someone. And that's when he, the doctor saves Peter Capaldi and his family. Yeah, yeah. And that turned into biting him in the bottom, <laughs> didn't it? When Peter Capaldi replaces him a generation later, he he got to it eventually. Yeah, the long way around. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh. But but yeah, I think it is. And I'm not saying I disagree with it, but I do think it is a cheat for Donna because she does find herself. She does her the power that she has, especially with her uh, her, her grandfather's. Like you know, don't listen to your mom. You know, you you can do so much more because Donna sort of limits herself to what she can do. And, and and obviously now she travels with the doctor. She realizes all of these things she can do. But then, and then they take it all away. Take it all away, and she keeps resetting. Like you know, they reset the end, and they even with the uh, even in the end of time when she could get some memories back, but then it sort of resets her again. Yeah, and, and I yeah, and, and I don't know. Maybe that's why I'm not as big a fan of hers because I didn't like the way she went out because mm-hmm. that that sucks, and it also means that she doesn't get the opportunity to show up again. And, yeah, you know. But anyway, but like I said, she has a lot of great episodes. Doctor's Daughter, Unicorn and the Wasp with Agatha yes. Christie. Um, not that she does a lot with the library episodes, but she's in that as well. Turn Left is all about her and Rose. You know, with the the you know if you if there's no Donna, you know the Doctor ends up dying and Torchwood ends up dying and all these things end up going and all just because Donna. But then you sort of have the whole Donna Doctor thing with the Journey's End, and I think. You know, we can always pick about Moffat and how he, all his companions are always like the girl who waited or, you know, the girl with no, all these sort of like special things about the companions where they just can't be regular people. And, I, you know, I think Rose and Martha are regular people, but I do think with Donna, it was sort of trying to make her Donna, Dr. Donna, this sort of destiny she had instead of just being a regular 
person, but yeah, you know, I can yeah. go both ways. Yeah, but if we're going to talk about serious destinies, we have to talk. I mean, that's Clara, the impossible yeah, girl, exactly. isn't it? Who the build up and all that. But we'll come back to that later because Clara does not appear with. So, so, what about minor companions? Sure, those I, are the three major ones. But yeah, we won't hit them all, but just some sort of quick hits here. So Sarah Jane, as we mentioned, um, you which know, I love, 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 love. I thought that was so great. So great. And um, K9 too. And K9 is probably my favorite minor companion. He's a good boy. He's a good boy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that sort of starts her spinoff, you know, her new life with the Sarah Jane Chronicles. Yes. Yeah. And again, she gets that closure from the doctor, which I suppose shouldn't necessarily be necessary, but there it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I and I think even it's sort of interesting when they bring back the classic companions or older companions. And you sort of see the new doctor through their eyes. But yes. I think it sort of creates that timelessness that they see that it is the doctor, their doctor. Or, you know, with her, it's the third or, or fourth doctor who she was companions to both of those. And so. Yeah. And I just love Sarah Jane. Mm-hmm. Sarah Jane. May she rest in peace. All right. Elizabeth Slade. Yeah. Captain Jack. Very. Also love. Yes. <laughs> um, with the 10th doctor. But you talk about closure because I think that you sort of had him being abandoned by the ninth doctor. Mm. And so he pleads when when he's reunited with, with the 10th Doctor along with his hand. You know, why'd you leave me? And I, I think that's sort of a very, t- talking about sort of getting closure. That was sort of his yes. moment with yeah. the 10th Doctor. Yeah, because the companions who get to keep their memories or whatever oftentimes feel that way. They don't always get that closure. And it's a nice thing. And of course, at the risk of being all the spoilers, we also see the face of Bo die. Right. Oh. oh. So then it becomes a little bit like River Song. Mm-hmm. You know, we see that happen before. Anyway. <laughs> and then um, there, the do- 10th Doctor, of course, had all of his specials near the end there instead of having a series, which was a choice, I guess. But, um, yeah. <laughs> you do not sound approving. <laughs> I have, yeah, I really wasn't. A f- I mean, I think some of the specials are good, but, like, if I could have had eight episodes versus four specials i would have gone with eight episodes but that's just me i I always think i have a complaint with how they handle doctor who sometimes especially lately where it's just like oh here's three episodes this year and like what are you doing to me you know because i always think like matt smith i think was cheated out of episodes because his one he had one season split into two years and it's just like come on now but anyway that's just me i know that's sort of the british tv system but anyway uh you had David Morrissey, that's a big name, uh, was in, uh, played the Doctor, but really played Jackson Lake in the next Doctor special. I mean, he's, he, as far as, I mean, I'm not saying he's the biggest star in the world, but he's, he's a pretty big name. And, and I thought he, he played that very well, someone who thinks he is the Doctor. And, you know, spoilers, he's not. But it, it was a very memorable turn. Those are all the, always fun anyway, the sort of meta episodes. Oh, and they were in, I really should Google this, but I'm not going to. He and David Tennant were in the musical TV series. Oh, right. Gosh, it's something certain... about Blackpool. It's Blackpool, that's it. It's Is Blackpool. It? Blackpool? Yes. Are you sure? Yes. Okay. And I thought that's a, that was sort of another time they teamed up. I don't know if that was before or afterwards. Probably before, because uh, they seemed younger. But anyway. Yeah, but anyway, so that, that was sort of very interesting. Michelle Ryan, she's a very intriguing actress that's what my way of saying she's pretty cute but anyway she played christina in <laughs> planet of the dead but she sort of plays the cat woman i mean like almost literally like the cat woman in batman because she's sort of this bad girl well she's supposed to be like a rogue 
uh, noble. You know, she's like a baroness or something like that. But anyway, and so she's sort of the bad girl to the tenth doctor. And he, you know, he he sees sort of like you know, oh, you shouldn't do that, but I'm also letting you go. So it's sort of Batman, Catwoman esque. Well, and yeah. Everybody loves a bad girl yes. or something like that. Including, it appears, my husband. And the Tenth Doctor's final companion, I would say, is one of your favorites. I do love him. And that's who we've already mentioned before. Such a delight. Donna's grandfather, Wilfred Mott, played by the, of course, very, very famous Bernard Cribbins. Yeah, he's just lovely. And, of course, that gives us our Star Trek moment as well, doesn't yeah. it? Um, which I think is fun. But yeah, what, so I mean, looking back at the Tenth Doctor Companions, because you know David Tennant had a pretty long run as far as New Who goes. I mean, I, I would, I don't know if he's the longest off the top of my head. Again, we could Google, but I'm not going to. But I feel like you know he at least has one of the many memorable runs of the New Who. Of course, you know, been, there's only been four. But anyway, you know, how do you think his companions stack up as as to the ones you know about and the ones you've heard about? I think that there are more of them. Um, I think that there are more individual ones um you know you can compare rory to mickey slash ricky but the one-off companions i think you see more with with david Tennant. and i like i don't know i mean we can talk about amy later as well who i also love a lot she had a good solid run clara you know i have mixed feelings about but so the tenth doctor seemed to go through them more. Right, and it almost seemed like just chapters. You know, there's the Rose chapter, and the Martha yes, chapter, and the yeah. Donna chapter. Of course, they all end up coming back here or there, but... And there's also clear contrast, I think. Oh, yes. we did it this way. Yeah. For this next companion, we're gonna do it... Completely different. Yeah. yeah. I always joke about you know, at least this is for churches, but I'm sure it's true anywhere. You know, when you're choosing a new leader, you always like, what was the, what was the last guy? We went the opposite of that this time, you know. Yeah. And, so. and I feel like we didn't necessarily see that between like Amy and Clara, for instance. The build up to Clara, I think, was much more fun than Clara. <laughs> you know, which is terrible to say because I love her. Oh, we'll save that for the eleventh. Uh, we Doctor will, but you know, there's not as much of a a huge difference. And then, of course, you know, you throw in Bill, who was a total new world, and that's I think that's what makes the companions lovable. They can't be sort of white bread. They, there has to be something interesting about them. And, and I guess just a quick note, I guess it's one of those things maybe you, don't, you shouldn't say anything, but I'll say it anyway. So Martha, first black companion, but okay. I, I don't ever feel like that's a thing. No, As it Sh- should... Shakespeare makes it a thing a little bit, <laughs> right. but other than that, Because no. I think that's sort of, I mean, I don't know, it's not really a joke, I suppose, but, you know, sort of the joke of, you know, how can you know certain people travel through time? Well, and again, she brings that up in Shakespeare's time. She's like, "Oh, am I allowed to?" And he's like, "Act like you own the place; it'll be fine." <laughs> um, and and then Bill brings it up later, right. a very similar sort of thing. But um, yeah, and it's not uh, okay. I don't remember. I mean, I was watching at this time but and again i was you know reading the british press of course i don't remember it being i'm sure it was noted but i don't remember it being like no ah, no know. not at all Just, uh, of and course. again the doctor is friends with cat people and <laughs> lizard ladies and the face of Bo, which is just a face yeah 
So, you know, a black companion. That's fairly tame, comparatively speaking. Exactly. Next to one, a woman doctor. I know, right? <laughs> That's not okay, though. <laughs> Women can't be dot Wait. Now let's go into the TARDIS library. We talked about Sarah Jane. So yes. Let's talk about the first time we met young Sarah Jane Smith. Yes, young Sarah Jane. The first time we see her is in The Time Warrior on the 15th of December, 1973. It's a four-episode serial, as they oftentimes were, with the third doctor. Right. The synopsis for the Time Warrior I got from TARDIS.wikia.com, and it is the following. When scientists start to go missing in the 20th century, the third doctor is called in by the brigadier to investigate. His investigations lead him to deduce that they are being kidnapped through time, and he sets off in pursuit, unknowingly kidnapping journalist Sarah Jane Smith in the process. Arriving in the Middle Ages, the doctor and Sarah find themselves caught up and the machinations of the robber baron Irongron and his men from the star. The alien, a Sontaran named Lynx, is arming him with modern weapons in return for helping him repair his damaged ship. And it's up to the Doctor and Sarah to stop him from ruining the Earth's timeline. Dun dun dun! Yeah. Now, this is, of course, we're going to talk about Sarah Jane. I also thought this was interesting. This is actually the first episode with a Sontaran. This is the introduction of them. Yeah, and I was really sad he was not as funny as and dim as I wanted him to be. That, that's all right. Well, it's an evolution of the character. I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so what do you think of young Sarah Jane? You know, she comes in um, actually under pretending to be her aunt, I believe. Yes, of course. This is sort of, okay, and this is in unit. Uh, this, was, this is during the third Doctor's unit days, of course. And she comes prancing in during this conference of scientists. I'm like, yes, I'm, you know, Dr. Smith. And they're like, oh, okay. You seem quite young. And she's like, ah, you got me. I'm a reporter. (laughs) (laughs) It's a pretty quick figure out. She's not very good at that investigative journalism just yet. But I think it's very interesting in in many levels. For one thing, you know, because like I said, once you get these sort of feel of the companions, this is the third doctor, early days of we're about six or seven or eight years into this to the franchise but still early days i would argue and sarah jane's pretty you know she's not perry she is not perry and <laughs> sorry Dave. sorry nicole to keep picking yeah on you. <laughs> yeah no absolutely and in fact in the beginning she doesn't trust the doctor and she doesn't know what's going on she literally organizes <laughs> his an army against the doctor yeah. yeah and she she is strong and it's interesting you know, she disguises herself as sort of a male servant at times, and then other times she's wearing a, a dress, I think, for some bits and pieces, and then in modern bits she's in trousers, and I think all of that, particularly in the time sets, sort of accentuates her no-nonsense investigative journalist kind of persona. Right, So, and she's very, you know, funny to watch her evolve into accepting that she's now in the past you know she's like oh who are you i have to figure out what this is you know so it's sort of i i think it's it's sort of the writer's way of saying you know she's smart she's trying to figure out you know this could be x or it could be y or it could be z you know anything but we've traveled back in the past but the fact that when she gets there you know she's very little cowering in the corner you know she's out there fighting along you know i'm i'm going with you doctor and and all these things and so again a lot like martha you know martha's first episode she ends up on the moon 
with the jagoon. With the jagoon on the moon. Uh, there's a nursery rhyme in there somewhere. And and straight away, she's like, yep, we're on the moon. It's absolutely gorgeous. There's no other explanation. Here's the moon. Oh, we got stuff to deal with. Let's go deal with it. You know, all of it, you know, shoulder in into the scrum kind of thing. Yeah. I was a little disappointed we did we don't get my TARDIS action or you know, inside the TARDIS and so we don't get the it's bigger on the inside from uh, Sarah Jane yet. Maybe Which is classic. I know. How do we know she's a companion if she doesn't right? say that? <laughs> how do we know she's in Doctor Who <laughs> if she doesn't say that? Um but how I mean considering you watched very recently School Reunion, how is it saying it wasn't her last appearance, but it, uh, her first appearance in New Who versus her first appearance in yeah. Classic Who. I, again, I I love the ability to call back. I just love whatever they're doing at those studios must be certainly warm enough that people are like, yeah, I'll come back for an episode. You know, that there's a lot to be said for any sort of employment where you go, yep, I'll go, I'll come back anytime. I'll work it into my schedule. I think that that's a lovely thing. And I don't know if I'm ready to say that she's my favorite classic companion, but I think in as much as maybe you would, we would say, or as we did say, that Rose is sort of the 10th Doctor companion, Sarah Jane is like, the doc, the companion of classic who. Well, and she is the companion, right? I think you know because again she crosses that line. I mean, she, she did can, third doctor and fourth doctor. She had a pretty decent run, and then comes back and and goes off and has her own series and comes back in bits and pieces and all of that sort of thing. She really is the quintessential companion, I think. I'd be very interested to see you know the next couple serials with the third doctor as they sort of cement their relationship or the, you know, the agreement that they're going to travel together. It'd, it'd be mm. interesting to see, but I think the time where was, was a definitely a good introduction. And I, I think not a bad serial. Yeah. There's a lot yeah. going on. No, it's they, been they, one they, that I've enjoyed. Didn't peg down as much. And, and I'll admit the third doctor, this is probably only the second or third serial I've seen of his. So it was very interesting to see sort of him doing his thing. So what are we going to talk about next? Husband of mine. Well, we're going to be, since we've talked about the 10th Doctor a little bit and looking back at sort of the, the zenith of Doctor Who, we thought we would look back just a little bit into a hallmark of the franchise, and that is the 50th anniversary of Doctor Who with the special The Day of the Doctor. Which I'm quite excited about. This is the very first thing you showed me. Right. Stars Tom Baker, who we've already discussed, yes. and David Tennant, who we've discussed, and so Billy Piper, who we've discussed. To, yeah, looking forward to revisiting this and feeling all nostalgic and being, oh, remember when we liked each other, that sort of thing. Well, until then, darling, I'm looking forward to when we celebrate our anniversary because you are my favorite in all of time and space. And you are. Adorable. This is BBC Television. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? 
I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.